I invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the letter of Ephesians written by the hand of Paul, Ephesians, and we'll be looking at chapter 2 and reading verses 11 through 22. And if you are physically able, I invite you to stand in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word this morning. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. Thank you, and you may be seated. Staying true to the gospel when races collide. This is not a message for the secular masses. This is not a message for Fox or CNN. Not that they would hear my voice anyway. Nor in any way, in any way, is this a political message. And if you make it one, then you have done wrong because it is not one. This message is for the local church today, dealing with what we believe about the gospel and how our understanding of the gospel and how our understanding of our relationship with Jesus Christ affects the way that we act in this world even when races collide. There has, since sin entered our world, been strife between races, between people. And races have been colliding for thousands of years now. However, in our modern times of communication and transportation, races are colliding like never before, if, as some people say, the earth is shrinking, so to speak. But we must look at this through the gospel lens. Knowing what we know about the coming of Christ, we have read scriptures today, even from Psalm 86, 8 and 9, how God 
will bring the nations together at His return. Revelation speaks of it over and over. We see this in the Gospel. We'll see it today. And what we know about the coming of Christ and His kingdom, the way that races are colliding like never before at higher rates, isn't this a definite pointer to the coming of Christ? And that's why it's so important that we look at the world today that we live in through the gospel lens. See, the gospel, not bell-bottoms or music, always keeps us relevant in any culture. It always will keep us relevant. The gospel will always keep us settled, even in cultural shifts and uneasiness. It will always keep us stable. It will keep us strong. And so, let us feast upon the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. Heavenly Father, may your Spirit fall upon us today, cleanse us, and purify us. And Lord, would you place before the eyes of our soul the gospel lens, that we may look through it and see as you see the world. Change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. When you return to your scripture, I note just some of the uh, words here by the Apostle Paul. And he says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles. He speaks of Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles. Jews and all the other nations of the world that had other gods. But now have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Beloved, if you are a Christian, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You were once far away. You were once a stranger. You were once an alien. But now by the blood of Christ, you've been brought into the family of God. You have a people, you have a place, and you have a person that is your Savior. For He Himself is, does it say your peace or our peace? Our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. And it also goes on to say in verse 15 that He created Himself one new man out of the two, out of Jew and Gentile. Look in verse 16 as well. It says He might reconcile us both in one body. Do you see the message he's saying here? On it goes in verse 17 or 18. We both have access in one spirit to the Father. We both, Jew and Gentile alike. Verse 22 also, in him you also are being built together. Jew and Gentile, Jew, all the races of the world, all the kingdoms, all the nations, all the tribes, all the languages. Jesus Christ is bringing us together as one. And we are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, the believers, and he's reminding them that all people 
have had peace delivered to them and have access to one Father through the blood of Jesus Christ spilt for the redemption of every person upon the face of the earth. And we whom have believed and received the gospel of Jesus Christ, we again are now fellow citizens. We are a part of God's household that Christ is building for His temple. Believers from every race are being built together for God's dwelling place. And I make mention of Ephesians 4 because if some of you remember our going through Ephesians many months ago, speaking of how we are connected, the first three chapters have to do as Paul is laying out the gospel and how we are brought in by grace and through faith and not by our works, lest any should boast. And then verses 4 through 6 deals with how we act because of the gospel in our lives. In chapter 4, 1 through 3, in light of all of what Jesus Christ has done to make peace, to bring us in one spirit to one Father, He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then in verse 17 as well, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, of the pagan heathen, so to speak, in the futility of their minds, rejecting the gospel. But those who have received Jesus Christ are being built together with all people around the world, who are seeing the glorious gospel and accepting it into their hearts. Jesus is doing this. God the Father has done this through Jesus. Staying true to the gospel when races collide. And the message here in Ephesians 2, as well as throughout the Bible, is we are one in Christ. God has made us one. Every tribe, every tongue, and nation. Beloved, disunity among the races is the result of sin. That's, that's what causes all the wars and the strife and the distrust and the disunity. It's sin. And true unity is discovered and experienced in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. True unity. Eternal unity is discovered only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there are many things that can unite people for a while. Food can do that. Seriously, food can bring people together. Amen? Music can bring people together. Amen? Uh, common likes can bring people, even from different nations or races, together. But those things don't last. Soon the song ends, soon the supper's over, soon the toy wears out. And as beautiful as it was for a moment, that ends. The only thing that links all the races and nations together eternally, the only thing in this world that does that is the gospel. The only thing. And so we see this in the work of Jesus Christ. Disunity is the result of sin, but 
true unity is discovered and experienced in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel brings forth and will one day produce unity among God's people from all around the world. Only the gospel can do that. How does the gospel bring unity? How does the gospel heal? Well, one is we understand through the story of the gospel. When I say the gospel today, I mean the whole gospel story from Genesis to Revelation. In the gospel story, you see the gospel announcement of Jesus Christ and His redeeming work at the cross and His resurrection. But the gospel story is from Genesis to Revelation. And we find in the Bible that we all have the same roots. Every person of the world, every color, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every clan, we all have the same roots. We all come from Adam and Eve. And then after the flood, we all come from Noah and his sons and his daughter-in-laws. All of us have the same roots. None of us have any other tree or way of coming to this world. We all have the same roots. In the beginning, God created man and woman, and He breathed the breath of life into them. We were separated because of sin, and that's why sin always brings disunity. I will not read the story, but mark in your Bible and go back and and read, or if you've never read it before, we see the forming of the nations in Genesis chapter 10. As they were disobeying the command of God to go throughout the world and to multiply, they were staying in one place and being organized into pagan religion. They were building a tower to the sky. And that doesn't mean they were literally trying to build a tower to God. It means they were building, this is where you see organized pagan worship and religion at the Tower of Babel. And it was very organized. And God came and confused their languages. And they dispersed around the world. And that is the forming of the nations. Sin brought disunity. And then with that, as the decades and generations passed on and as the earth multiplied with all the different uh, tribes and tongues and nations, and so came distrust and hate and fear and anger and some wanting to conquer others with the worldly thought of the dog-eat-dog world and only the strong will survive. All of these came through sin. You see, sin not only separates us from from being in unity with God, but sin also separates us from being in unity with each other. It's sin. But we all have the same roots. There is no person alive that got here any different way. Somebody say amen to that. Because some people still don't know that. But we all have the same roots. But there after Babel, people begin as, uh, as incest and other people begin to intermarry. Then colors of pigments and facial shapes and different things started to take place among all of us. But that's where the nations 
began to form, and disunity among the nations followed. Sin separates us from God, but it also separates us from each other. Not only do we have the same roots, but we also have the same Redeemer. The gospel brings us together in that as well. It teaches us that we all came from the same Creator, but we're also saved by the same Redeemer. We're saved by the same Jesus Christ. The young man in Ethiopia, or the young girl in Germany, or the old woman in Mexico, or here in America, we're all saved by the same Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're all saved in the same way, by faith and through grace in Jesus Christ. We hear the gospel story. We hear how we're sinners, born into sin, in need of a Savior to escape the curse of death and the wrath of God when He comes to judge the world and the nations. And we look unto Jesus who left the splendors of heaven and came and put on our flesh and walked among us and He bore our sins at the cross of Calvary and how He conquered death on the third day. And we see Jesus and we believe in Jesus. We simply believe His words when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. We all have the same Redeemer and we all are saved the same way by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Christians, and what we know also about the gospel story is that once a person sees Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has begun a regenerating work. They hear the gospel. They see Jesus Christ. They receive Jesus Christ by grace and through faith. And then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them. And so it doesn't matter if I look so much different from another brother or sister far away in another country, we have the same image of Jesus in our hearts. We have the same Redeemer, cleansing and purifying our soul and preparing us for our eternal dwelling place. Not only do we have the same roots, not only do we have the same Redeemer, but we as Christians will all have the same eternal ruler, Jesus Christ, and we will live in unity forever. We will all eternally be together. We will be in one place, serving one Savior, and we'll be doing it, listen to me, in one language. Oh, how the gospel would solve the problems of hate and disunity around the world and even in our nation today. No law can do what the gospel will do when it grips and changes the human soul. The power of the gospel is beautiful. It is unifying. It is powerful. And it brings us together. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian's love. The fellowship and the joy it brings. We have the same roots. We all have the same Redeemer. We have the same eternal ruler. We'll dwell together in one language, in one place, with one Jesus Christ, and it will last forever when Jesus comes and restores the kingdom.
What a glorious truth. The gospel brings peace. Peace among brothers and sisters. Peace in the world. You see, there is no red heaven. There is no yellow heaven. There is no black heaven. There is no white heaven. There is only heaven. And God is bringing us there together where God has saved and made us one people out of every nation, race, and language. Now, I ask you this, brothers and sisters. Do you believe this is the gospel story? Three of you. That's great. I'm going to start getting you all pumped up. Each one's going to drink one of those amped up drinks before you come in. Now, if the Bible teaches that, if, the Bible, if that's the gospel story, which it is, brothers and sisters, if the Bible teaches throughout from Genesis to Revelation those three basic points today, and we say we believe the Bible, right? Then shouldn't that be shown in how we worship and live together here below? It should. I, I don't know, I really, I think it might have been Martin Luther King Jr. that said this. I'm not for sure. Don't hold me to that. I, they said the most segregated time in America was on Sunday morning between 11 and 12. And you know what? That's better than it was decades ago, but still true. If we know that this is what heaven's going to look like, shouldn't we start heaven here below, beloved? Wouldn't it be beautiful and glorious? Wouldn't it speak to the world in such a way? Wouldn't it bring healing in the nation today? Now, that's among brothers and sisters, but let's turn the lamp to create a different shade for a second. What does that mean for those around the world and even in our midst from other nations and cultures that do not know Jesus. But still we go back to even they have the same roots and they need the same Redeemer to go to the same heaven with the same eternal ruler. And here's what the gospel also teaches us, brothers and sisters, that everyone has been deemed worthy to hear the gospel and to receive the gospel. That's not my words. That's God's design. God has deemed every man and woman worthy to hear the gospel with the hope of receiving it once the Holy Spirit has illuminated their hearts and eyes to hear it. Everyone is deemed worthy to hear the gospel and to have the opportunity to save it. And that's why we give. So that we can send missionaries around the world. That's why we go. But beloved, we live in a time where, yes, we still send the missionary around the world, but the nations have come to us. Are they not worthy of the gospel? According to what the Bible teaches, they have been deemed worthy. Is this not part of God's eternal plan? 
See, the gospel allows us to see ourselves as we are, all sinners in need of salvation, only saved by grace and through faith, not of our own works. But the gospel also allows us to see Jesus Christ as the one redeemer of all lost man. But it goes even farther. The gospel allows us to give grace to others. And it enables us to look at others through the lens of Jesus Christ. That all have been deemed worthy to hear the gospel and to receive it. We look through the gospel lens and it causes us to be givers of grace to other people. Even if they do not look like us, we still have the same roots. Even if they do not sound like us, one day we'll have the same language. Even if they do not live near us or in our culture, we'll be brought together in the end. And it allows us to look through the gospel lens and see them as Jesus sees them. And it should stir our hearts to give peace and grace even when races and cultures collide. And I want to say this, if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen in my life, that I don't give peace and grace, then I'm looking at a wrong gospel. I'm looking through a man-made gospel that I like, not the one that Jesus Christ has declared in the Bible. As we begin to come to a close today, I want to ask you some questions. How do you look at other races, at other people, different cultures? How do you look at them? Do you look at them as a people to be ignored? But we know that's not how Jesus looks at them. Do you look at them as a problem to be fixed? Or do you look at them as a people to be loved? We know the story of the Bible. And the gospel changes us, not only saving us from our own sins, but changes our hearts that we would no longer walk as the rest of the world but that we would walk in the light of the goodness of grace and peace given to us through Jesus Christ. Should it not cause us to show grace and patience as Christ does? Let this be our gospel. It is the gospel. Is it your gospel today?